Hello and welcome to the Carlton Blue post-match reaction. I'm Dan Robertson, joined here this evening by Matt Kendrick as Aston Villa have won their 10th game in all competitions at Villa Park in a row, which is some feat now. That's nine in the Premier League consecutively, obviously dating back into last season as well, with a 3-1 win against Crystal Palace. Unfortunately, we're not doing this as a live stream. We are pre-recording it as, Matt, your connection is as slow as Sam Johnson's goal kicks. Uh, how are you? Can you hear me over there? Is everything loud and clear? I can hear you, mate. Yeah, we pushed pushed that, um, really stretched that record, didn't we, today? We, we pushed our look yeah. to, to try and get over the line. It was bizarre, wasn't it? I think it's probably the worst performance. I don't, I'm not going to spend the whole however long we do of this moment. Ooh, negative Kendrick. I think it was probably the worst league performance at Villa Park under Emery for 95% yeah. of that match, unless yeah. you can tell me tell me another one. Um, it's one of them games where... You know, Dan, has your has your baby got those little kind of soft cubes that you can I think, kind of? I think you bought them for him. I did I? I wasn't. I wasn't I trying so. to kind of claim credit, but it was almost like we were playing with one of them rather than a football because they just weren't passing it cleanly. Mm. Nobody really seemed to kind of have their touch, and you know, I'm probably exaggerating a little bit because there's <laughs> there's a lot of action where the Premier League footballers, of course, they can pass the ball cleanly, but it just seemed to be that kind of ragged really scruffy, clumsy performance at times. And I don't know whether that was the rust of an international break or mm. what it was, but it seemed to infect most of the team as far as I could see. Yeah, it's, I think the the cliche game of two halves has never rung more true as it from, from that game in, in the first half. I don't think I'll go as far as say that we were very good, but we did kind of, it looked like the villa that we're used to kind of building from the back and, and creating a lot of chances. But we were wasteful, weren't we, with those chances? You know, we probably could have been two or three and up at half time if we had a clinical striker. Uh, as much as I don't want to dig it too much into Ollie Watkins, he, he probably should have scored at least one in that first half. And, you know, as mad as the argument is, clinical right back. I mean, Matty Cash could be on about five or six goals in the season already with some of the positions he's getting himself into. So it did feel, I mean, up until the 85th minute or so that it was going to be one of those days that we were going to rue the chances of the first half and the wasted opportunities that we had. And that Palace had, I don't even want to say that they'd come and done a job on us because they didn't come to, to play any kind of football really. They, they were you know set up to, if they did get into the lead, time waste and, and slow the game down and if they'd have gone away with all three points that is said you know game plan complete we'd all have been very very frustrated and very annoyed and you know if, if we're talking about the the wider season as a whole yes it's only five games in we've lost the games against Newcastle and Liverpool and, and one against Burnley and Everton and that was what we expected really two good sides two bad sides and a very like even start to the year to the season if that kind of seesaw had tilted the other way with the defeat to Crystal Palace this today, I think we'd have said that's a pretty pretty bad start to the season, really, all, all things considered. Um, the fact it's kind of swung the other way now and we, and we did go on to win in the end in emphatic manner has kind of lifted the, the whole atmosphere, really. And we now go, well, that's a good start to the season. The Liverpool and Newcastle games are the, are the blips, really, and that we are... In the games that we are expected to, to win, we found a way to win in the end, didn't we, today? And that's that's the key thing, really. Villa haven't really done that in the past. You know, Villa from two years ago, they do lose that 1-0. Yeah, I think it, I think it helps having, you know, we still know he's, he's raw and he's still a rookie, but it helps having a game changer on the bench. I thought I thought mm. Duran, obviously, the, the goal, the control and the finish um, were emphatic, but I thought that he brought that little bit of urgency about Villa as well you know we'll chase things relentlessly I'm not sure we've had that in the past and it's not, mm. it could have come on and, and, and not done anything for us but I think it, it, it does help having that well having said that I'm going to probably sound like a bit of a git here but Tielemans I know he was involved you know did well for the for the final goal 
just he just doesn't seem quite on it to me. Whether that was him being infected by the performance of the team that he, you know, of the the, the collection of players he joined. And listen, I don't want to I don't want to spend this digging out Yuri Tillemans because I think there's still a lot more to come from him. But I just I was I just didn't see didn't didn't think he was quite on it. As I came out of the game with my dad, I was saying that. I mean, yes, we won in the end, but up until that point, I was fully expecting this podcast to be. First half was pretty good, but we wasted chances, and the second half was very frustrating. We couldn't get into the game. We've come away with a defeat, and that's really, really annoying. And that the subs that have come on, again, up until the very last minute, didn't change the game. I didn't think Tielemans did come on and do a fat deal, and I was about to kind of go on this spiel of, if you're going to start slagging us off in the international break saying, I want to play more, when you come on, You've got to affect games and you've got to be that difference maker. You've got to go and score the winning goal to to prove the point that you should be starting. And I had a tweet just before we started saying from Oscar, hope you're not mentioning the involvement of Yuri Tielemans. He single-handedly changed the game for us, being involved in two, two out of the three goals we scored. Great cameo from him. Soppy at times, but that's due to a lack of game time. And I was thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to kind of talk about Tielemans now because maybe I've seen it wrong. So... I've kind of got Oscar on one side saying he was good and you on one side saying he wasn't that good and you back up my opinion. Um, I thought he... I agree that he he was sloppy and there was a couple of instances where I just thought, he doesn't look that... doesn't look that interested. I don't want to... Again, I don't want this to be like a, a negative for him, but I'm kind of... In my head, I'm just thinking, well, you've got your minutes now, so do something with it and I, I just didn't feel like he could get himself going. Yeah, I think, like I said, I'm not not digging out Tielemans individual, individually, even though I just have... Because I think I think I just don't think we took enough care of the mm. ball today, yeah. and I, you know there was the the one in the was it in the first half where Luca Dane played that free kick and oh, given it given it straight to them. And days, if it, it wasn't for McGinn's in, intervention, then that's that's yeah. a surefire breakaway, if not a surefire goal. And it's like, well, it just almost kind of. You know, your standards can't drop within two weeks of not playing. You've got mm. to be on it. It's the Premier League. You know, even a Palace team you think would have come along, you know, probably the 1 0 was, was their game plan. Um, you can't let your standards drop. And I am glad that we that we found a way. But if you'd have asked me, you know, kind of midway through the second half, was there any way back for us? I'd have, I'd have said no. It was, um, right. I've been trying to think of, a, of an analogy of something that's largely crap, but there's a little kind of, Nugget in the end, and all I got was like, you know, if you got, but I, this is crap because, you know, if you've got like a Sunday dinner and you have to wade through all your broccoli and your sprouts and your peas mm-hmm. just so you can have your your beef and your Yorkshire pudding, but I yeah. quite like the vegetables anyway, so it doesn't. You're going to say work. As we're talking there though about uh, like Villa, almost like, will we find a way back into it? The podcast, the podcast that I did with Alex Berwick in the international break, we spoke a little bit. I don't know if it, it was actually in the final edit or whether we were just chatting off air. But we had this conversation of like, well, if Villa go ahead, and certainly early in games, they tend to win and look good and play nice football and we're all very happy. When they go behind, they kind of crumble a little bit and you kind of do think, uh, what's the plan B? How are we going to get back into this? And the longer that goes on at games at, in, at home at Villa Park, it did kind of start to be a couple of grumbles. I don't know if it was the same around you, but the, this kind of patient builder that we're used to, when you're 1-0 down, that didn't really wash with the, the people that were sat around me. It was like, come on, faster. Like We need a bit more tempo here, but they kind of have got to stick to their principles because you know that you can kind of turn in in, a, in an instance and, and all of a sudden you're at the, the other end of the pitch. That's the first time, according to our Aston Villa Stato on Twitter at least anyway, or X now, today's the first time Aston Villa have come from behind in the Premier League to win a game since November 2022 away against Brighton. Oh, I don't know how many times we've gone behind since November 2022, but when we do, 
we don't come back from it. So the fact that we've been able to do that um, and in the manner that we did it, obviously, you know, scoring in the, in the last few minutes of the game is always extra nice. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased that we've been able to find that and I'm just hoping that substandard second half performance until the, the 88th minute is a, a sign of things that, you know, we won't see that too often under Emery and even if we do, hopefully we've now kind of discovered a way to, to win when we're not even playing that well. Yeah, I think we, we were a little bit worried, weren't we, that, that Villa did have a soft underbelly when they fell behind. So the, that, if anything, you know, although it was a long, hard slog to get there, shows that should hopefully galvanise us and show, well, remember that time where we were nowhere near our best and we, we dug out a result in the last minutes of the game. Um, mm. So I think it's encouraging from that point of view. I think you've got to you've got to give credit to Crystal Palace in a way as well because they played it. You know, the, the Sam Johnson time wasting, if that's Emmy <laughs> Martinez at any away ground in the country, we're lapping that up. And we're mm. loving it. And I actually think just at the time where Ollie Watkins has, has pinged that one off the bar and it's it it's Sam Sam Johnson on the back of the head and gone for a corner, then he's gone down for about six or seven minutes. That took the sting out of the game at a time where it was like pinball for mm. for about two minutes around the box there and everybody's having shots. And that was, you know, I'm not saying he wasn't injured, but that, that was stage managed. So we had to cope with that frustration. And I think they they did that quite well, and they they were were a threat on the break as well. I actually thought the frustration was getting to us a little bit. We've spoken before. The, the one I always think of is the, the last time I think that Leicester were here and, and Schmeichel was time wasting and, and being a bit of a and and it was kind of like this us versus their mentality that all the crowd were on his back. It was a very kind yeah. of you know two sides putting against each other, but we all felt together and it kind of galvanised us. It felt to me a, a little bit again because it I mean. Palace scored, what, 47 minutes or something like that, and Villa scored 88, I think. So basically the whole of the second half, you know, time is ticking down and ticking down and you do think we're not getting back into this. And the frustration didn't seem to galvanise us. It was starting to feel like we were all kind of just losing our heads a little bit. And, and I think that was probably coming across on the, on the pitch as well. We were trying to go long when, when we shouldn't really do that. Or we were having like sloppy moments where Dean kind of just put one out of play, I think, at one stage, unless I'm misremembering. And it, it just felt like we were sacrificing the principles that have got us this far to try and rush it because we feel like we're losing time and the crowd's getting antsy. And it's in those moments where we all need to kind of remember, well, this is what we do. Yes, sometimes you want the you want the tempo to be quicker, but Villa are playing that style of play for a reason. And the evidence that we've seen so far is that chances will come off the back of that. But I do get it. And I felt exactly the same in the stadium when Paul Torres is like walking with the ball when we're 1-0 down on the 80th minute. So come on, mate, we need a bit more than that. But you know, ultimately, the, the point has been proven because we've won 3-1 in the end. So I feel like when we're recording so far for 13 minutes, I don't know how much has been usable so far. Um, but I feel like we're probably a little bit more negative than I would like to be considering that we've won the game with three goals in the in the dying embers of the game. But like I said, that second half performance did concern me a little bit. Yeah, I just thought it was going to be one of those days. You know, again, yeah, yeah. That, that, that Watkins shot when it comes back off the bar and hits, hits Sam Johnson's head. Jorginho did that last season goes in the back any martinez he said i actually thought what's the what's the what's the half time game called prize no the new one has it got a name oh i don't know score the whole end or something i actually thought watkins mo- nearly won that didn't he you know when you <laughs> i don't know what you get you get your monster energy drink for eating the top corner now or whatever um oh, i don't know but it was i don't know i, th- I think we've been spoiled down i mean what was the record that you said 10 wins on the spin 10 wins at home at Villa Park in all competitions. So that includes Hibs, nine games in the Premier League, though, which is very good. What was the last game we didn't win? Oh, that's a good question. I've not prepared. I know that the start of the winning, the winning run was Crystal Palace. Last time we lost at Villa Park, 
Arsenal, maybe, was it? Because obviously I was on paternity leave when we were just getting into the start of the run, so that period of time was very hazy for me, but Arsenal oh, yeah. and Man City. Yeah, Arsenal on, on the 18th of February. Love to see it. That's the last time we lost at Villa Park. Yeah, and we lost um, we lost two in a row because we lost to Leicester. Yeah. We lost to Arsenal at Villa Park. And a few weeks earlier, we'd lost to um, lost to Stevenage as well. I thought you could sense the frustration, but I don't think it ever manifested itself in a really, really negative way. I don't no, think, no, no, was, no. you know, there was kind of no booze or no real kind of catcalling or whatever you want to say to, to move the ball quicker. I think we, we all felt it, but I think we kind of were invested in this strategy that says, mm. trust the process, if you like, trust trust the plan. What did you think of the, the combat then? Because I don't know whether, I know we sometimes jump chronologically and stuff. Because we, the, we, I, tell you, I tell you what I wanted to talk about is probably the two VAR things mm. as well. I know we've not seen the replays back. So we're speaking a little bit blind here and probably everybody who's listening will have seen it and we'll we'll be able to <laughs> have a much That's what more. this show is though, isn't it? We're here to give our, our kind of raw reaction to it. By the time we do our next podcast on Monday, if we're still talking about this game, would have seen things back and seen the analysis and whatnot. Uh, the VAR thing, let's talk about it in a couple of instances then. Being in the stadium is still so bad, isn't it, for, for when there's a VAR check? You just don't know what's going on. So the first one, I'll assume the ones you're talking about, DRB is offside goal and then obviously the penalty. Um, for DRB's goal, I actually thought he was offside in real time. I'm not in line with it, but I'm, I'm down low. I'm kind of close to it. And my first thought was, it's tight at least. So I didn't really celebrate. When, when that went in, because I thought, mm, it's tight, this, this this will be looked at at least. And there's a huge weight, comes up, checking VAR. Nice new graphic, actually, on the on the big screen, I noticed, look, looking smarter than last season. It's just a sort of boring point for me to make. But you just don't know what's going on, and I thought they were going to be this season showing things in stadium, or at least maybe talking through it a bit more, and it was just checking possible offside or whatever, and you just kind of stand there waiting and thinking, well, if they're looking at it, it's probably going to be ruled out. And then the decision is given, it is ruled out. And I kind of thought, well, yeah, well, I did think it was. They show a freeze frame on the big screen with the lines on it, but I don't know how far away the Trinity Road Sunday is from the, the big screen that's away from it. It's like a nuts, isn't it, while looking up at the players on there? They're just tiny. I'm not just, what am I supposed to take from that? All I can see is just one red line and the group of players. Like, and you, I, The only thing that I got from seeing that replay up on the big screen was what I thought in real time. Yeah, it looked tight. In real time with a naked eye, I saw the linesman flinch as if to raise the flag really? and then change his mind. And again, he's on the opposite side, so it might have just be me just kind of falling asleep or something. <laughs> but I... Because he's know, thinking, I want... if I flag, like, they'll check it anyway, so I'll just Yeah, say, so I've got a safety net. And listen, yeah. I don't know what's going on in the subconscious mind of, of, of whatever line it was, but you could just... So the fact that he, even in that very moment, was, wasn't quite sure... Mm. I thought, well, like you, got in the habit of half celebrating. I mean, I think the thing I found interesting about that was, and again, this probably sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm being harsh on Ollie Watkins, but Watkins has a chance earlier in the earlier in the game, probably could have advanced with the ball, and you know doesn't doesn't hit the strike, hit the shot in enough in the corner that he wants to, and and, and yes, Sam Johnson yeah. makes the save. Diaby, that's in the net before I've even seen the through ball come through and it just felt the difference in, in time of times of in terms of how clinical he was. But listen, there'll be times when Watkins will yeah. be clinical. So it was just it was just frustrating because I don't think we I think we were obviously the better team in the first half and Palace were set up just to contain us. Mm-hmm. But that proved to be a big moment because if we'd have scored that goal 
the second half, I think, would have started a lot more differently. Yes, I think it would have definitely. been, not saying it would have been a procession, but I think it would have been a two-goal. You know, we'd have won 2-0 or whatever. We wouldn't have had the yeah. late drama necessarily. Um, mm. But that was a big moment. But until I see it back, I can't say that we were robbed or whatever. Just oh, frustrated, yeah. no, no, no. frustrated by the, uh, the Generally, VAR. They're, kind of, they're saying that, you know, offside is offside, isn't it? Oh, there is or it isn't. So if they've given it, it obviously is offside. But it's one of those ones where we'll all debate it as football fans that if it looks tight and the on-pitch linesman doesn't give it, what happens to like giving the attacker the benefit of the doubt if it's that close? Like, should there be daylight between the defender and the attack and all these different things? Like, there's some amb- ambiguity around the, the rule still and it's frustrating. And if we'd have lost today, we'd probably be debating it more and saying, oh, come on, like, you've got to be a, a X amount offside for it to count, not to be level and all these different things. And ultimately, it hasn't mattered, but it does affect the flow of the game. And before we talk about the penalty one and stick with VAR, let's just touch on Watkins very quickly. We've spoken about him so much over the last... Well, over the course of the season so far and for the last year, maybe, since he had his hot streak of scoring, what, nine and 11 goals, was it? When he doesn't go through a hot streak, it's he's not good enough. He's not good enough to be the main man. He's finishing his poor. He's this, is this, is that. And everyone's got their own opinion on Ollie Watkins and I have defended him probably more so than, than some others would like to. And I know that people who don't like him and don't rate him are probably sick to death of me saying, oh, he's all right, he'll come good and he'll score goals and I believe in him. And, and that's the way I feel. Having said that, he should have scored two goals in the first half. That chance, or, or at some point during the game, like the second one I'm thinking of might be in the second half. First one he has when he gets through on goal. We've said it before, haven't we? When Ollie Watkins has got time to think, it's the opposite of Luca Dean. When he's got time and space, he'll put a good ball in. When Ollie Watkins has got time and space, I always worry that he's not going to finish or he's going to overcomplicate it or he's going to fluff his lines. And that's what he did. He just didn't get enough on it, really. When he kind of a ball bounces to him and he's more instinctive, I feel that's where he's at his best and that kind of pinball football you mentioned towards the end of the game. I was half expecting Watkins just to tap one in out of nowhere because that's the kind of striker he is sometimes. And the other instance I'm thinking of is, I think Cash put the ball in. Again, I've not seen it back, but how I felt of it in, in real time was that Watkins should throw himself at that ball. I felt like on the oh, six-yard yeah, box. First half, I mean, Cash is like almost volleyed it across the six-yard box. And it's one of those ones yeah. where you stretch your toe out, anticipate, even if, you know, just gamble. Um, there might have been maybe a bit more pace on it than I thought and if I yeah. see it back I think oh actually he's, he's never going to get to it but in real time I thought you've got to throw yourself at that. you'd wallop it across the face of goal to be fair yeah. but, but still put yourself in the net as well like, make the yourself move at it. it yeah so there's, there's those couple of instances for Watkins specifically I know like you said he's he's hit the bar as well and we've talked about XG and all these different things and Watkins' goal will will come. And I'm not I'm not overly concerned just yet. It's still only five games in. He could score a goal a game in the next five. Like that's the kind of player he is. And he's got five goals in ten. And we go, well, that's only Watkins, you know, that's that's fine. What do you make of him? I don't want to write him off. I think he's he, he's destined, even at this kind of hit and miss, you know, the, the good and bad versions that that we get of him. I think he's destined to become our Premier League top goal scorer. Uh I, I quite so. want I quite want him to be a <laughs> Premier League top goal scorer. He's, a, he's, he's really, really divisive, isn't he? Ollie Watkins, mm. because you're either pro Ollie or you, you, you kind of a, a against him. And I'm more for him because he doesn't go hiding. You know, he'll still come and show for the ball, even on days where it's bouncing off his shins and he'll still, still make those runs in, even on days where, you know, he couldn't hit a barn door if you like. And, you know, he'll still work hard, and he'll, he'll he'll still lead that lead that press from the front. And mm. you know, we're all happy. My, my son's my son's the worst. You know, Ollie Watkins. If he doesn't score a hat trick every game, he, he's on his back. And Dad, I told you his crap and all this. And then, obviously, 
as as is the right of any fickle football fan. As soon as Watkins, you know, sticks one in the net, it's you know jumping up about jumping around and celebrating like, like anybody else. And he will, as Villa get better and as Villa evolve, and we've said this before, he will either keep pace with them, or mm. and and will be good enough, and those rough edges will be smoothed off, or he'll be phased out and we'll bring somebody better in. At yeah. the moment, he is our number one centre forward. Villa have enough faith in him. We haven't looked to replace him. You know, they have enough faith in, in him and him and John Duran. And I mean, what's our other centre forward option now? DRB potentially potentially play him in there. So, and again, I, I, I'll say this after a win. I probably wouldn't have said it after a defeat. But, you know, if, if he's good enough for Emery, he's good enough for me. And until he's not, I know that's a, that's a bit of a yeah. bit of a kind of cop out answer, but you know he's he's not that bad. <laughs> There'll be people who think no, he's that bad, and you two are just sticking up for him for the sake of sticking up for him, or you know you're in bed with the club, you've got to be cozy with them, and blah blah blah. You've got to stick up for them. That's not the case at all. If he's having a bad game, he's having a stinker, we'll absolutely say it, and I'll be the first to admit as much as I stick up for him, he should have scored. That, that chance he had at any top Premier League striker who scores 15 goals a season running through with space and time like that should find the bottom corner or the top corner or wherever through the keeper's legs every single time what well, they're paid to do but every striker misses chances and I'm sure we'll look back at the end of the season and Watkins will have 15 plus goals in the Premier League and if he doesn't like you said we'll be going we'll be probably need to upgrade on him then Let's talk about the other VAR uh, decision not, as you mentioned earlier with the penalty being in the stadium for it not seeing it back yet I don't even know whether it was a penalty, to be honest, and we'll, we'll do that in a sec. But the, again, the physical act of going through VAR is a pain in the arse in the stadium. Again, you have no idea what's going on, except that this is probably going to be overturned, is what I thought. So the referee gives it, then VAR get involved. They ask him to look at the monitor, and the script usually goes, we've seen something, you've got to come and look at it, and the referee bottles it, for want of a better phrase, and agrees with the VAR, rightly or wrongly, and they overturn it. And that's what I expected. The fact it was taking him so long to watch it and so many replays, again, it's the other end of the stadium for me, but I can see the screen and it looped over the replays millions of times from different angles. He watched it so often and he gives it and we kind of go, bloody hell, like he's stuck with his on-field decision. That, when was the last time that happened? When the last time that happened to Villa specifically, they always overturn it. So that's obviously great for Villa. Whether it was a penalty or not, I assume, like me, you've not seen it back and don't actually know because we're far away from it. Again, people watching it back will know. But that doesn't happen, does it? If they are, say, come and look at it, they normally change their mind. It made me laugh because there's a fella who sits sits up by me, Stuart. He's a, he's a really good bloke. When when Villa are frustrating him, he'll, 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 he'll let it be known, shall I say. And um, when the when the ref was going over, I mean, I don't know. In, in the stadium, it seemed like he took about three or four minutes. Now, I'm sure it mm. wasn't that long. I'm no, sure. I think it was. I think Dad said that the timer on the big screen was 93 when it was given and it was about 97, 98 when it was like decision made to go and take it. Well, it did, it did feel like that. And uh, this, this Stuart, this, this lad, this fella who sits, sits near me, he was like, come on, referee, don't be bullied by them. Have the, Be brave. Have the courage <laughs> of your convictions. Stand up for yourself. And, uh, <laughs> so when he obviously... After loads of messing about, he awarded the penalty and, and, and Dougie Lewis stuck it away. The, he came and wandered up to me and said, I'd like to think I influenced that match. I'd like to think oh, I play, yeah, of played a part in it. But uh, it made me think, what would um, just VAR in any, in any other walk of life, if there was that much 
messing around and fannying around to try and get a decision. Like you get your GCSE results and they're up on the wall at your at your school, and then they're like, ah, well, well, actually, actually, we count every mark, guys. Come on, we'll have another look at that C C grade. We're going <laughs> to go and have an, another little look, and it's just like at some stage and i think i think we've hit on this before and you know we can get dragged down by you know get bogged down talking about var it's it's the in-stadium experience they won't show us the controversial decision we pay an extra for our season tickets yada 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 why don't we get to see this you know we're invested in this sports experience please loop us into what the hell's going on the thing is with var and i don't want to talk about too much we've spoke about a million times but it doesn't look like it's going to change so they made a rod for their own back, haven't they, with a the clear and obvious tagline that comes with the VAR because you think, well, if it's going to take you a million replays and five minutes to work it out, you've not been called over for a clear and obvious error. If you've given a penalty and you are wrong, that's fine and it can be overturned. But if you can't see that that's clear and obvious within two or three replays in about 30 seconds, it shouldn't have crossed crossed the threshold enough to say it's an, it's an obvious error, we have to change it. That DRB one, it looks again. I've seen it on the big screen. It looks level, basically, with the line that they've drawn. That's not if the referees flagged it for offside and isn't, and they show it and it's level with the line. That's not clearly and obviously wrong, is it? So the kind of phrase that they've used and the terminology, VAR should be used for howlers. If he's five yards onside and it's been flagged offside, it's clearly and obviously wrong, and you'd watch one replay and go, "Yeah, clearly wrong. Let's change it. We've sent the wrong man off. Clearly wrong. We can see it. We can change it." If you're deliberating over it for four or five minutes with millions of replays, like I said, it shouldn't cross the threshold of being clear and obvious and it shouldn't even get to that stage. That the VAR should say, we think we've seen this and the ref goes, well, now I saw this and I'm standing by that and we, and we just carry on with the game. That's very annoying. Yeah, just I was just chuffed that, that Douglas Louise had, was the calmest man in the ground, wasn't he? You know, yeah. I thought we were going to miss it though. After yeah, all, I did. Once I finally we'll thought, thought, miss it anyway. I thought it was one of those days we're going to miss it, but you know, there's never any doubt in his mind that he was going to stick it away. Um, and then it was just kind of a head-scratching moment. You're thinking, well, I thought we are going to be lucky to get a point here. Are we going to hang on to a 2-1? And then when we've made it 3-1, you're like, crisis, you know, what crisis? What what, <laughs> yeah. what were we worried about? You know, this was, <laughs> of course, we beat Crystal Palace at home at Villa Park. Yeah. It's what we do. Just very quickly on John Durant, because I know there's a couple of other things we want to mention before we go. Uh, that goal. And just like you said earlier, him coming on and just being a bit of a nuisance is a, is a bit of a, an ace at Willis' sleeve sometimes That in a game when it's getting a bit tetchy to get John Durant to come on and just, just do what he wants, basically. Like, do you see when he pulled that guy's shirt back for just no reason? I saw some comparisons over the last couple of weeks that like like a very early raw Benteke is, is the comparison. Ben, that the was moment. a Benteke goal today. That was to, a Benteke you know, goal in his Stronger prime, yeah. presence on the edge of the box. To, yeah. To say, I'm winning this ball, you know, taking the ball down and then just absolutely kind of ripping his boot through it. I thought it was uh I thought it was brilliant brilliant it was just the moment that we like, like a traction engine somewhat we, needed. we just needed somebody to take this by the scruff of the neck to seize the moment and do it and mm-hmm. that that just lifted lifted everybody and I know we spoke briefly about Watkins and I know you're gonna speak about him in more depth with John on, on Monday. Is there an argument? And maybe it comes with us being in Europe next. How close is Duran to yeah starting a game? I think he'll start in the Conference League on Thursday against Warsaw, though that's going to be such a feisty atmosphere that maybe we do just go with our, our strongest eleven, and that still is Ollie Watkins. But that goal to have the conviction, it felt like you know, like you know, when you've played and you're annoyed and you've had a bad decision or whatever, and you whack a ball in frustration. 
blast the net off. That's how it felt. That's how it came across. That's sweet that sport, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and I, yeah. I've only ever played amateur sport at a pretty ropey level, but you know, it's like a, a, a perfect drive on a golf course, or it's you know, it's hitting a hitting a ball for six in cricket. He's just hit it so sweetly that. You know, that probably would have properly injured Sam Johnson. That would have took his head off if he'd have been anywhere near it. Um, and it was just, yes, John, we wanted somebody who could come and actually say, this hasn't been good enough so far. I'm going to do something about it. Uh, and the fact that him being so young, I mean, I think sometimes I'm a bit patronising the way I talk about him. You know, he's a Colombian international, so mm-hmm. he's yeah, not yeah. somebody who's just broken. got some goals down the road. They've just, you know... <laughs> just bought him in and give him a bib to make up the numbers. He's a proper bona fide Premier League player. Uh, Spent a decent whack on him as well. Yeah, and moments like that are just going to prove it. Listen, I don't want to start like the Benteke comparisons. That's I, I do like a big kind of battering ram mm. centre forward like yeah, that I as do. well. Yeah, something really likeable about John Duran. If he keeps scoring goals like that, he will he will be starting games in, in the Premier League, whether it's in place of Watkins or alongside him with Derby out wide or whatever it is. If he starts doing things like that, you've got no you've got no um, excuse, I suppose, for want of a better word, to to throw him in there. A couple of nonsense bits, shall we end with? I think we've done enough football chat for the post-match show, considering, as we said, we've got another podcast coming up on Monday. The one thing I wanted to mention as a silly nonsense point, that it's going to go down as a moan, but I'm hoping I'm not the only one that feels it. It's so insignificant in comparison to actual football things. The giant is awake. Did you see this? What's that? Was that on the big screen or something? Or? It's on the big screen. It's on the, like, the branding on the club shop. Oh, I hate it. The giant is awake. It's like a slogan tagline for like, oh, we're back and we're a big club. This giant has risen from the ashes and all these horrible cliches that you throw out there, like marketing guff. Am I alone in that? Is there anyone else who cares? No one actually cares. No, I don't care. But the giant is awake. Really? Is there any is there any graphic to accompany it? Is it like all the players standing on each other's shoulders in a big, long overcoat? <laughs> <laughs> now that I could be... And you just like open the buttons and you just see like little John McGinn's head popping out and stuff. <laughs> I could get behind it with that. But if it's a serious slogan, I find it a bit... I'm not... Yeah. I'm not massively a fan of it yeah no, we're having this conversation by the way with two big smiles on our faces for people that are only listening and we're taking the mic aren't we really i'm not seriously moaning about that on the day we've just gone through one uh the last thing i wanted to mention very quickly and we'll, we will wrap up now uh just a, a almost personal point do you remember in when will this have been was it, oh, the february or march of this year when my granddad came to a game and went missing afterwards and walkabouts yeah uh after that game, no surprise that we said it's probably time to stop going now. He didn't go to a game that season and didn't have a season ticket this year for the first time in however long. He's 90, to be fair. Since he stopped going to Villa Park, we've won every single game. So you know when we spoke a couple of weeks ago about like, the Villa curse? It's my granddad. It was him all along. So if he'd have, um, if he'd have knocked it on the head 80 years ago, we'd be the most decorate, decorated exactly. club in the history of English football. Exactly. Would it would at least win our nineteen home games every season? I don't know about the aways, but you know, however more important that is, we we'd be fine, wouldn't we? So just to end then, Matt, a couple of shout outs. I assume there's gonna be a couple. There usually is. There is actually. I felt popular today. Like I said, I brought my mate mate along today who'd never been to Villa Park. And I think he thought it was stage managed because this this fella, a lad called Brad, um, wandered over and said, Oh Matt, 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 can I have a can I have a photo with you? And they could just see my mate out the corner of my eye going. Yeah, yeah. Who's this? Is this another of your mates? Is this this a wind up? Uh, a big shout out to him. And there was a fella called Ray just collared me as we were leaving leaving Villa Park. And another avid listener. It's 
still surprises me, you know. I know we see we've got like the counter on YouTube and we can look at our analytics and look at our Spotify and stuff like that. We still and I know we've done live events and people have actually turned up, but it's just really nice, isn't it? That that, that these people are real humans and it's not mm. you just uh, using some kind of AI cheat to get people listening that'll do us matt thank you very much for joining me on saturday evening um apologies to the, apologies apologies this wasn't done live but thank god it wasn't because i can't get my words out anyway uh it's fair your connections hold up better than i expected but uh, better safe than sorry um so get involved in the comment section those uh, watching this on youtube your uh, opinions and questions will form the agenda for monday's show so do get involved those comments don't go to waste if you enjoyed this video consider subscribing to currently on youtube thanks everyone for watching or listening We'll see you again on Monday.